Ring, ring, it's time for the first game of the year crossplay conversation spectacular for 2023. This is the show where we dive deep into the world of video games while keeping it light. I'm your host, Luke Lewis, and today I am joined by the Wii U Wonder Kid, Jacob McCourt. Hi, there's no Wii U games on this list. Sorry. Maybe, <laughs> maybe not. We'll have to wait and find out. We have the Sneaker Savant, who is persevering through sickness to be here for game of the year. It's Joseph Hooper. Hello, I have the suds today. <laughs> but you're here to fight, and you're going to bring the heat because you always do. Yes, yes. I'm wearing we love slides it. today. I'm not actually wearing shoes. You know, that's how you know because I'm, I'm not wearing shoes. Are, are you in I the Gucci that. slides? Gucci slides. <laughs> uh, I was going to I was gonna say I was wearing slides, but that would be a lie. I'm just wearing fuzzy socks. Even better. <laughs> love it. And rounding out our quartet, special guest, queen of the cozy game from the Lukewarm Games podcast, it's Claire Helmberger. Hello. Hey, Welcome. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. It's your first it, official yeah. episode. You were briefly on our PAX episode, but it's okay. nice to have you on a formal episode. For those that have been following our content for a long time, this is our third time doing Game of the Year podcasts, if you count the ones we did the last two years on Lukewarm Games, so if you want to go check those out. but. We're bringing some shenanigans. We're bringing some fun to celebrate the the year that was 2023. There's a lot of good. There's a lot of bad to discuss. So it's it's going to be a two-part episode. And in this first part, we're discussing our best of awards. So we have 14 categories that we're going to run through. Some are zany, some are fun, some are what you would expect. And we'll run through those and talk about some of our favorite games. And then in the finale, we will all share our personal top 10 lists. And then I will share a super top secret weighted top 10 list that is all four of our lists weighted and given assigned point values to determine what our game of the year for crossplay conversations is. So I'm very excited about this. This is my favorite podcast we do all year. Um, how's everybody feeling? Are we ready to jump into our first category? Absolutely. Super ready. All right, let's do this. Yep. Starting off with a new one, we have best gameplay loop. The nominees are Swinging Around the City, Spider-Man 2, Fission and Dredge, Fission slash Restaurant Management and Dave the Diver, Daily Adventures and Pikmin 4, Spirit Jumping and Chia, Climbing and Finding Notes and Jusant, The Writer's Room and Alan Wake 2, Rhythm Combat and Hi-Fi Rush, Using the Gunbrella and Gunbrella, Collecting a Wonderflower and Super Mario Wonder, and Reclaiming the Wasteland and Terra Nil. There's some bangers here. I, I can jump in and start with one that sure. I, I just wanted to get on the list just to like give it its flowers. Sure. Um, Gumbrella is a game that mm -hmm. I picked up very late in the year, and it's from Doinksoft, which is not only an excellent name for a game studio, but also they make great games. Uh, Gato Roboto is like one of my faves from the year it came out. Um, they just understand like character locomotion in a way that I wanted to call out. You know, you have a an umbrella that's a gun that you essentially use to dash but your dash can be like diagonal and then you can kind of float down from it it can be straight up it can be straight to the side uh and it can be also used to block enemy fire or even like parry enemy fire so to me i think it's just it's fantastic i don't know how many other folks have played the game i wanted to give it as flowers knowing that even for me there's stuff on this list that i love more yeah i mean i played the demo and I agree with everything you said. I think that was like one of the standout parts of of Gumbrella. 
was the fact that it was a gun and an umbrella and it just felt so good um unfortunately i didn't get around to playing the full game last year but i am looking forward to checking it out this year heck yeah yeah i'm in the same boat love the demo want to play the full release looks really cool i've also heard surprising things about the story and kind of where it goes throughout so interested to see about that one yeah i mean i'm, I'm about 50 percent of the way through it's like a okay. four to five hour game oh, uh, nice. and i think i was expecting i wasn't expecting the huge like screen size boss battles at times um, oh cool and there is story which is something that i'm sort of surprised given their pedigree it's not that they don't like that they do story sure. poorly it's not the thing you'd normally come to a doing soft game for very fair it's worth noting, too, at the top of this first category I didn't mention, but we're trying to whittle things down to an overall winner, and then we'll do one runner-up. So we're we're trying to whittle this down to two, essentially. Um, I can speak to one that I think in a similar place as you, Jacob. Like, I think it's pretty cool, but I don't know if it hangs with some of these, because the category is best gameplay loop, um, but the one I'm going to talk about I feel like more applies to a specific mechanic rather than mm-hmm. like the continuing loop throughout it which we'll we'll talk about with some of these other games but spirit jumping and chia mm-hmm. is very cool i think it's the most unique and interesting thing that game does aside from its awesome music and representation but for those that aren't familiar chia is a very cute very aesthetically pleasing open world game set in um the pacific island of new caledonia you go on this really cool adventure it's it's kind of zelda-esque in that you're climbing and using a stamina meter and different things to explore but they have a physics-based mechanic called spirit jumping where you can possess objects or creatures in the game world. You can be a coconut and then roll all the way up the mountain. You can be a firework and then use that as like a projectile in combat. You can become a bird or a turtle and run around the island doing different things. And it's just really fun and clever. And I think it, it separates itself from a lot of other games in that same genre, but it's, it's, it's doing something unique. But I think some of these other titles we have on here are really more about the loop where I think about like looking at Dave the Diver, like the loop of going fishing and then managing your restaurant and doing all those different types of mechanics and you get stuck in it because you're engrossed in it so much. Like I think something like that speaks to the category more than a mechanic based thing like Chia, but wanted to give it a shout out. Yeah, I played through Chia and uh, I definitely loved like jumping into a bird and then, you know, letting your your meter come back and then jumping into a rock and rolling like around the environment. I think for me, it's like that was the best part of Chia. If there was a three hour experience that just had that, uh, this would be like one of my goaties for sure. I just think there are parts of Chia, uh, not to disparage Chia, but like no, there are no. parts of it that are not as great as that part of it. It's for me, it's like music and the environment that they've you know built that spirit jumping mechanic for make sure. this a fantastic game and then the rest of it's maybe doesn't you know hold the same water i think that's fair, that's fair. i think it can get its flowers in other categories mm-hmm. that kind of apply to those things you mentioned agree uh just really quick i don't yeah. know how we're gonna narrow this down to one game so uh what i'm gonna do is make this even harder by adding another game <laughs> oh wow uh, love it i'll talk about two on one here okay uh i want it to uh quickly add and you know what i'm not gonna lie i did forget what i was gonna add while i was saying that i was gonna (laughs) add it so i'm just gonna talk about hi-fi rush really quick uh rhythm combat in that game is absolutely amazing i think when you think about it as a loop it really does enhance the entire game it actually i think is the sole reason the entire game works the way it does um 
And I think it is a real testament because one, it is a pretty unique loop. Uh, we don't really often see rhythm combat games anymore. Um, and the way that it makes this game so approachable by taking the complexity out of memorizing combos and stuff like that and making it more of a listening pattern recognition exercise, um, I think really helped me personally as someone who does not like to download a bunch of like fighting game combos and stuff like that, just like trying to remember what musical beat or pattern that this particular combo was on helped a lot. Um, it's fantastic. And I think it is a, not only like a clever way to, you know, instill some gameplay, but also like a really helpful tool to uh, make the game more approachable. So shout out to Hi-Fi Rush and I will come back to that other game once I remember it. <laughs> Love it. Right on. Yeah, Hi-Fi Rush is dope. I I adore that game. I think the combat is very cool. I think I don't know about it in this category though. Or maybe it's to say like that might be my like second runner up if we were picking 3, but I think I have others that I feel stronger about. Claire, where where are you feeling on this this category thus far? So, I only have one on this list and I feel pretty strongly about it. Okay. I don't think it's going to be the one and that's fair. But I'm not going to be like, well, we can take this off the list right now. Um, and I put down Reclaiming the Wasteland in Terra Nil because it's just such an incredible loop. Um, Terra Nil is a game where it's like a reverse city builder where you are given this wasteland where there is no wildlife. There's there's no plant growth. There's no water. And you are or maybe there is, but it's polluted. You're cleaning the water. You're providing new water. You're growing new life. You're introducing wildlife and you're basically making this a functioning ecosystem and then getting the heck out of there, removing all the man-made structures and letting it do its thing, letting it flourish, letting it flourish without you. Um, and I just think that's a really powerful just like premise to begin with um on top of it being just super rewarding to watch your screen turn green hear the music change as you reclaim the wasteland and then um it just feels so satisfying to get the heck out of there um and it, at the end of each level it like pans and you get to see the little creatures living their lives and the music plays and you can just let that go on however long you want it's just very it's therapeutic and uh it's just really cool so i will champion reclaiming the wasteland in terra nil it's so a great pick i love terra nil um i'm not spoiling my goatee list uh my goatee list officially has 10 but i usually pick an 11th and my 11th is terra nil um just as you said claire it's like not only is the last piece of it almost feel like a reverse power wash simulator where you're like instead of cleaning you're like making the environment beautiful but every step within that is like great is like building structures is fine but then like adding more to the environment changing the biomes adding creatures to it and then like cleaning up your mess is just like it's it's dopamine in in such a, a cool way mm -hmm. yeah definitely speaking of dopamine can we Go talk on. about spider-man 2 Hell yeah. Because man, does swinging around the city feel good. I think the only knock I would give against this one is that it felt good in Miles Morales and Spider-Man 1 as well. But the addition of the wingsuit and the wind tunnels, and they, they did do a lot of cool things with traversal in that game. So, oh man, this is tough. This is a very tough category. Joseph, do you want to talk about the one you added on that is also very, very good? Uh, Sure. Uh, the one that I forgot was... uh basically how you discover language or you translate language in chance of Sonar. 
um, blew me away. Like, I guess I wasn't fully researched when I picked up the game. So to see that you talk to these people, and you basically have this little journal that identifies every new word or language symbol that you come across in the world. And you can basically go in and type your own meaning over this world or over this word. And then it will start inputting your meaning into the place of like wherever you see that symbol. So cool. you can say, I think this word means beer or something. And it'll just start saying the word beer in the <laughs> sentences or in the signs or whatever. And sometimes you'll be like, huh, that doesn't really make sense. I guess it isn't the word beer. Um, and once you actually figure out what the word is, then you basically like unlock it permanently. And now you have that, that word in your repertoire for trying to understand what the rest of the language is. And um, yeah, I think like this was one of the most like exciting loops that I've played all year. Just like that, that thrill of trying to decipher this code from the very start of the game to the very end of the game never got old. I loved it. Um, And I know, not many people have played it here, so I'm not going to champion it that hard, but I think it was really, really awesome and way more exciting than I probably would have imagined going in. Yeah, I, really I played cool. that one as well. I haven't finished it yet. I'm still working through it, but yeah, it's incredible. I think to Joseph's point, it's just it feels so elegant. And there are a couple other puzzle games that really resonated with me this year, but this is definitely close to the top, if not my number one puzzle game. and just so satisfying so smart so interesting and it, it it's such a broad mechanic but they like rein it in in a way that feels super approachable and doesn't feel overwhelming and lets you experiment and then to joseph point joseph's point when it locks in and then you understand more of the context of the world and the story like it's just really really clever and i it, it's a very thoughtful game so i it definitely hangs here i'm wondering um there's one more I want to definitely talk about, but I'm wondering if once we kind of touch on everything, if we should just check in what each of our number ones are to then narrow the scope of this. Um, I wanted to chat a little bit about the writer's room in Alan Wake 2. Um, that was one I added and I think is one of the most impressive gameplay things that game does. So for folks that aren't familiar in Alan Wake 2, Alan Wake is a writer who can control the story and the environments around him. And he has a mechanic where he goes back to his writer's room in a pause screen and you can move essentially index cards around a felt board to impact the story. So you can change the setting, you can change who are interacting with the environment, the plot points essentially. And it's not as free willing, I think, as we all thought it was going to be going into the release of the game, but it's just such a cool mechanic to, without spoiling anything specifically, be in a subway station, change the index cards, and then the environment around you changes instantaneously. And from a technical level, it happens like at the drop of a hat, which is really, really cool. And so it adds to the puzzle solving. It adds to just the overall art direction and vibe and style of the game. It's just, it's really, really cool. And it's super unique. I've never seen another game interact with the environment in that way while also honoring the narrative um so it's very very cool but all of these are really good so it's it's tough (laughs) i was gonna say to that like everything you said is true um i would say that if this mechanic was a more central part to the overall game uh this would probably be 
probably my number one far and away. Like if mm. we were able to use this mechanic maybe two to three times more, um, I think that would have been just like a brilliant use of this. And I really do hope it comes back maybe in future games or some other developers kind of adopt this somehow because it was really, really cool. Uh, for sure. But yeah, it just was not in the game enough for me for how cool it was, unfortunately. But the moments that it is in there, great. Absolutely yeah. great. And I think without digging into specific spoilers on our spoiler cast, we touch on Saga's mind place mechanic, mm -hmm. which is the other 50% of the game. And I think for me, to your point, Joseph, that section isn't as strong as the writer's room. So as a whole package, I feel like some of these other games may be stronger as like a complete thing than that one yeah. mechanic. Yeah, for sure. Can I right talk on. about the fishing games? Yeah, please. I think Dredge uh, has a really f fantastic fishing mechanic that is just like really easy to engage with. It's like you have a circular meter and at, at points within the meter, you just sort of hit the button almost like in a rhythm-esque sort of way to catch the fish. It's just a cool little thing. Um, I, I think that Dave the Diver as a loop is more compelling because like you dive, you get fish, you have like a certain weight that you can bring back, you bring them up to the surface after two dives, you manage a restaurant, you make sushi, where you're like running back and forth, you're pouring beer, you're giving ice cream, you're, you know, doing whatever. Um, between the two fishing games, if we're talking about gameplay loop, I think Dave the Diver is more compelling. It's literally a loop. I think I, that's I fair. Agree. And the level of depth, I think you really just can't yeah. argue. Like, I love Dredge. I maybe enjoyed Dredge as like a whole package more than Dave, mm -hmm. not because of quality or depth, but just like overall vibe and style. But um, yeah, I think that one's great. I also realized we haven't talked about Pikmin. Or Jusant. Or Jusant. Claire, you or played both my... of those. Do you want to touch on? Sure. One I'm overall? not the one who put these on the list, but I'll That's talk fair. about them. Um, I think... That the daily adventures in Pikmin 4, especially as you get later in the game and you get to choose whether you go out and explore the world or you do the like Dandori battles or you are um, doing the like nighttime stuff and then you can kind of pick your own adventure in that way. That I find really compelling because you can just do whatever you feel like doing most in the moment. Um, and I really enjoyed this loop of Pikmin 4, but I don't necessarily know if it hangs with some of the other games that we've talked about. Yeah, I think I was the one who put this on the list originally, and it's just so relaxing. Mm -hmm. Like, I just had a delightful time with Pikmin, and I never felt stressed playing Pikmin. I always felt like I was making progress. It, it, it's just a wonderful game, but yeah. yeah, I think in terms of, like, innovation, I think there are games that are, are doing more interesting things mm -hmm. on this list. Yeah. Um, did you put Jusant? Claire? No, I only no. put Terra Nil. That's the only one for me on this. Did I put Jusant? You probably did. I probably yeah. put Jusant. Sorry, I made this doc two months ago, everybody. <laughs> I was I was like ready to go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can talk to Jusant. I think I find the climbing really compelling and really kind of therapeutic and satisfying to and very tactile for folks that aren't familiar. This is a don't nod game narrative based where you're using the um, triggers of your controller to move your arms so left and right are assigned to your arms and it is very tactile as you're moving up this mountain discovering notes of the people who were there previously and uncovering this story it's a beautiful game the visuals are awesome yeah. um i find it really relaxing but i had a i saw a different perspective over the holidays 
watching my dad play this one. I got him a Game Pass subscription, and so he gave this a go, and I thought he would find it really, in a similar way, relaxing. Um, but he was really struggling with the mechanic, and he would he would fall, he would lose his stamina, he would then try to grab on and accidentally let go of the trigger. Like He was having trouble with the mechanics of it, and so it felt kind of clunky to him. Yeah. Um, so I think with that in mind, I think there are... I don't want to say more polished, because I think... I found Jusant really polished, but I think as a universal thing, it's not clicking with everyone. So I feel like there's more universal picks here on this list, which doesn't necessarily have to be a factor. Like, this is our list. We can Mm -hmm. decide what we want. But if there was a knock I could give the game, it's like, huh, well, my dad did not have a relaxing time playing that game, which I found interesting. Well, I mean, I'm sort of in the same camp as your dad. Sure. I I really struggle with Jusant. I actually reinstalled it. And I think I'm going to make my way through, but I think it's just, there's something about the climbing that is just like, I almost expected something a little bit more fluid where like this mm. has a very deliberate, slow pace to it that like you're either going to vibe with or you won't. Uh, and if you did, I did not. Claire, I cut yeah. you off. Yeah. Sorry. Totally fair. I, I, um, if I hadn't heard your feedback, Jacob, or seen your dad play it, I never would have thought anyone would have had those sorts of songs because when i was playing just on i was just like on up the cliff no problem at all sometimes it was like okay how do i get over there because i can't climb there or like what it's sort of puzzle solving what do i need to do to make that an accessible area um and those sort of moments were like i have to think about this a little bit but it was never a mechanical issue um so i i would have if this was if the category was most like compelling gameplay mechanic I think that that the climbing specifically would have been it for me. Um, I do agree that there are other things on this list that are um, really strong. Just not for me is like really high on my list. Once again, not to spoil anything, um, but I really loved exploring the world and uncovering the notes and stuff and figuring out what had happened. the The world building I think is like super strong, and the you know me, I love a game where there's a narrative that you have to figure out what happened by seeing what was left behind by other people. And like, you're the only one there and you're not really interacting with other people. Um, that sort of thing is just my jam. So I really love that aspect of just Um, but I'm okay if it's not our number one or number two for this category. For sure. I just want to quickly say yeah. that I love that Claire was like, you know me, how I love this most specific type of game <laughs> you could have possibly described. That was, that was great. That, that's a good like summation of players game takes i feel like if you like latch on to like mechanics but then also just like styles and vibes but they're very unique like the yeah. games that resonate with you yeah. so that's awesome all right i think last one is super mario yeah one yeah that was me that okay. i put that on uh i think it's just cool how nintendo uh super mario wonder is like the best 2d mario game since the super nintendo um, you know, I think of the, you know, new Super Mario Brothers games on DS and how like these are just so much better because they have so much life in them from like music and set pieces and this Wonderflower section where every single one of the levels has something different where like you may become a blob, you may become a, a boulder with spikes, uh, you may enter a musical number like there's just so much cool stuff that happens like and you never know what it's going to be when you pick up a wonder flower. Um, so I just wanted to give wonder their flowers uh, by calling <laughs> out that specifically. Yeah, definitely. It's dope. It's I cool. love that Nintendo just got weird with it. And they're yeah. like, let's, let's do some weird shit. It's really fun. Um, 
I don't know why. I guess we haven't finished it yet. We're still working our way through it. But like, once I put that game down, I haven't been thinking about that game. Does that make sense? Like, I don't feel like it got its hooks in me the mm-hmm. same way that That's some of these other ones did. It's it's really it's good though. But is it because we're playing it co-op? I'm playing it co-op with Amanda too. Yeah. Like, we're once we're done, I'm we like, okay, co-op. yeah, we can take a rest. Oh, you played a co-op too? Yeah. Okay. I don't know what it is, but <clears throat> I also am not the biggest like 2d side-scrolling mario fan i've been on the record slandering the the premise of those games but i I do really enjoy it it's just like not as addicting to me as some other 3d mario games in the past yeah i i have some specific thoughts to the multiplayer angle of that one that i think we can get to can we we just say them now because like (laughs) i think we have the same thoughts i think the multiplayer like they made the co-op less good than yes. every other mario like local the bubble multiplayer system bad. and everything like we tried to play we did two players and if it had worked like the previous titles we probably would have brought it home at the holidays and played with family but mm-hmm. after getting frustrated just playing the two of us because of the bubbling and stuff and then i hate how it changes who's in control of the screen like mm-hmm. there's no rhyme or reason it feels like and it just i found it really frustrating once yeah. we kind of got the hang of like okay this is just kind of bs and we just mm-hmm. have to understand that it, it was more fun but they they kind of dropped the ball on what was a a functioning good system mm-hmm. previously so yeah yep. yep yeah i think the local multiplayer is not good but my understanding is the online multiplayer if everyone has their own switch and their own copy of the game then they can sort of control their characters in isolation and there's not that weird bubbling issue like hmm. There's a world in my mind, I'm not a game designer, but sure. in my mind, I wonder if the screen could be split if you decide to, like, you mm-hmm. know, do your that's own thing. That's what Claire and I were thinking, yeah. and I know that's kind of unusual for Mario, but... But LEGO Star Wars did it, and it was yeah. fine. LEGO uh-huh. Star Wars did it, it was fine, but I think about games like Rayman Legends, yep. and, like, that's such a great experience, and there's so many, like, tight platforming levels where you're coordinating jumps, and I just feel like that works better, but I want to love this, the mm-hmm. multiplayer experience. Like we, we had like, we had a date night. It's like, it's Mario date night. You know yep. what I mean? And it just was kind of a letdown in that way. So I just wonder it, if the switch couldn't handle it. Yeah, I think that's fair. Is it bad that if, I guess our negative comments don't necessarily apply to this category, but if we have that many negative takes on it, does that make it not hang as much? Uh, I think that the negative takes are about other things, but I think that's that there fair. are other that's things fair. on this list that are like better Stalker. gameplay loops. So, Luke, you suggested fair. like ten minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, let's. Yeah, <laughs> this is first Sorry. category, everybody. We're first category. No, balls. we're good. Um, well, and this is. I feel like this category is going to take longer than some of our other ones too, because like this is the first time we're talking about a lot of these yep. games, and we're talking mm-hmm. about core mechanics and so things. Also, I think the one with the most nominees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why don't we go around the horn and just everyone say what their number one selection would be, and we'll see if we have some general consensus, or at least whittling it down to a few picks. Okay. Claire, what what are you thinking? Uh, my number one is definitely Terra Nil. Terra Nil. Okay. Jacob. Uh, Dave the Diver. Dave the Diver. Joseph. Chance of Sonar. It's okay if it's different. <laughs> I love all of these. Um, I, For me personally, I would say Alan Wake, Writer's mm-hmm. Room. I think for this group, for this list, I would be very comfortable with Dave the Diver and Chance of Sonar being our two. Yeah. I really like Terra Nil, though, but I just love the language aspect of what they're doing with Chance of Sonar, and they make it so 
elegant and approachable that I think it deserves the spot. Like, it, okay. I think if we had all played it, we would be champion championing that more. But mm. I also think to the the overall spirit of the category, Dave the Diver makes a lot of sense to me because it's such a good loop. Like, mm. I lost so many hours over our vacation just like in that addictive fun loop. Hey, yeah. surprise, the gotcha people know how to make good gameplay loops that don't involve gotcha mechanics. The little indie, not indie, that could. <laughs> um, okay, so I think we have it narrowed down to... Do Chances we just want to go with that, or do we want to yeah. narrow it down a little more? I, we I have think like Terra Nil's very good. I do, too. Hmm. So are okay, we so like we're Dave between... the Diver, Terra Nil, Dave the Diver, Chances and R? Um, I, I would I would say just because I haven't played Chance of Sonar, for me, between the two, Dave the Diver has a really compelling well, loop, why don't, but I think in the I past think we've had two runners up. Should we just have an overall winner and two runners up? Just Fine to highlight me. a couple of these that yeah. seem reasonable. Okay. Fireworks. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what the Did heck? you trigger that? So what's our overall no winner? I think Dave, Dave the, the Diver. Diver. Dave the Diver. Yeah. Cause we all played it. We all loved it. Feel good about that? Okay. Yeah. Locking that in. I'm going to highlight Dave it. Dave the Diver definitely got its hooks. Okay, we'll do winner in and yellow me. on this doc. <laughs> Video listeners, you can follow along with the doc if you if you like with our nonsense. It's it's kind of fun. And then we do Chance of Snar. Pink. Yeah, why not? And Taryn Nellis, right above Chance is, of Snar. It's right above it. Right uh, above it. Thank you. Man, that's a vibrant color. <laughs> Here, maybe let's, we did blue last year. Yeah, let's mellow that out a little bit. How about that's better? That's better. Okay, so for best gameplay loop, our overall winner is fishing and restaurant management and Dave the Diver, with the runners up being reclaiming the wasteland and Terra Nil and discovering language and Chance of Sonar. Cool. Hell Love yeah. Love that. Awesome. Next up, we have pleasant surpri- most pleasant surprise. Claire, do you want to read our nominees? Sure. Uh, for most pleasant surprise, the nominees are Hi-Fi Rush, Pikmin 4, Dave the Diver, Jassant, Dredge, Super 56, and Robocop Rogue City. Let's go. Who wants to kick uh, this one off? Let's go about Robocop Rogue City. Should I talk I about Robocop? Let's talk about Robocop, everybody. <laughs> A game that had no right being as good as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I played this one for the first time during a Steam Next Fest over the summer. Loved the demo. Um, for folks that have no idea about the game, it's essentially an 80s action movie Robocop adaption into a Fallout-style action RPG. Mm. Um, the shooting feels really, really solid. It's very satisfying to pull off headshots in the game. They use the Robocop classic like UI where you're detecting things and scanning things and there's hilarious little references to the movie but it's it's really actually very well made it looks quite good the facial capture is pretty solid the writing is serviceable and it's just been a while since we had a licensed game that like filled this like double a kind of b movie vibe mm-hmm. and i just really had a blast with it i'm like two-thirds of the way through the final game just really really enjoying the heck out of it um it's really funny it's it's so dumb you know it's just but from a quality perspective on paper it's just like 
there's no way that in 2023 a RoboCop game is going to be good. And I just thought this game was an absolute blast. Highly recommend, folks, if you enjoy that era of movies or if you enjoy RoboCop, like it's really, really fun. It seems like um, the most solid 7.5 you could ever play. Oh, yeah. But it's like 7.5 good. Like, yeah, 7.5 good. This is such a fun weekend, you know? Mm. And so can't recommend it enough. I don't think it's of the same quality as most of these other titles, but wanted to give it an honorable shout out. Yeah. Nonetheless. So I'm comfortable cutting it after I've given it. Is it's it's bit of the category though, how big the gap is in between how bad you thought it was going to be and how good it actually was. That's fair. So maybe it potentially does hang because mm-hmm. I expected it to be absolute trash and it was pretty awesome. Like quite good. Or this is the could category... have been easily a game that I saw being a 2 out of 10 on mm-hmm. IGN in an alternate scenario, and it, it wasn't. Or is the category more like what came out of nowhere? Because uh, if, if that's the case, then it's like Hi-Fi Rush was shadow dropped with yeah. no yeah. warning, and yep. that's one of my favorite games of the year. I think that, that I think it makes could go either way. Sense for yeah, this I think it could. Because it did come out of nowhere, and it was so good. I, I mean, I've heard. They were like, hey, this game we've been working on for years, you can just play it today. And, uh, you know, the rhythm mechanics we talked about earlier, but just like the charm uh, and the the storytelling in this one are surprisingly good. And it like harkens back to like the old, you know, character action games, 3D platformers we would get back in like the PS2 era. Um, I'm just so glad it exists, truly. And such a genre surprise, too, mm. for that studio, like... It just was not the game I remotely expected from Tango Gameworks, but mm-hmm. I, I loved it. Mm-hmm. Agree. Yeah, I think for all of those reasons, Hi-Fi Rush is probably my pick for this, just because, yeah, I think the biggest part of this is that it came out of nowhere, um, literally nowhere, and we could play it the day we learned about it. But not only that, but it was extremely polished uh, coming out of like a AAA studio, which is not often the case the launch was basically flawless i didn't hear about any bugs or anything and it was a genuinely unique game it wasn't like a cookie cutter or anything like that it was something that we hadn't hadn't seen pretty much ever or at least not in the last decade or so um so i think that is definitely uh, a testament to this game and its release the cl- like the close 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 second for me would be dave the diver because uh not only did i not really ever expect that game to be good uh i I just kind of saw a trailer and was like whoa this looks kind of crazy i played it and it was even crazier than the trailer could convey to me like the amount of like different random mini games they have in there the, the amount of random characters like there's a whole like rhythm game section within that as well i mean it's just like the the surprises never stop in Dave the Diver. Uh, So it's kind of hard for me to vote against it. But dang, Hi-Fi Rush was so good. I'm glad you brought up like the gameplay surprises in Dave the Diver because they just kept introducing mechanics of like, I'm managing a sushi restaurant's social media page right now, but I'm also like having these crazy boss fights and just like they play around with variety so much of like that game was a lot longer than I expected. And that's yeah. why I still haven't finished it. But yeah. that said, they do keep that yeah, loop keep very compelling and keep introducing yeah. new layers in a pretty approachable way. I'd say mm-hmm. it like a 
a reasonable clip. And yeah. so I, I never felt like anything got stale. And I, I was constantly surprised at just like the tone and the quality and the variety in that one. There are stealth missions in that one. I didn't get to that. That's cool. Just wait, Luke. It's coming. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. That's awesome. Um, Jacob, do you want to talk about Super 56? I was just about to ask if I could talk about that. Super 56 is kind of like a WarioWare title where like each game is a micro game. So there are 56 micro games and they all involve hitting one button. Uh, so they'll much like WarioWare, they'll give you an action, they'll give you a scenario, and then you, you have anywhere from like eight to one minute to like beat the actual micro game. Uh, it's wrapped around this like really weird story about like workers in hell, uh, trying to beat their neighbor, beat the super 56 game in the game before their neighbor does. Um, it's like, it's wild and weird. Uh, and it very much like a game that was absolutely not on my radar uh, until I started to hear a little bit about it from, you know, our, our friends and colleagues and said, Hey, you know what? This game's wild. Big surprise. Liked it a lot. Uh, nice. Super 56. Uh, just a game I wanted to shout out in this category. Thank you. Very cool. That's pretty cool. That sounds cool. Um, Claire, do you want to talk about, did you put it? I'll talk about, I, didn't, I actually one? didn't put anything oh, okay. on this list because by the time I got thrown off because I know you played a lot of these, me. but I, um, but I'll talk about just on because I okay. would have put just on if I hadn't been on the list already. Um, and I, same well, actually, same with Pikmin Four. Uh, for just on, actually, I probably wouldn't have put on this list because uh, it wasn't a surprise. From the first trailer I saw, I was like, "This looks awesome," and I think I'm gonna <laughs> love it. And then I did the almost exact same amount as I expected. So, um, but it is a really cool game, and if it's not on your radar, it should be. So I'll just say that maybe it'll be a supply a surprise for you, random listener. Um. <laughs> I, I will talk about Pikmin 4, though, yeah. because um, I've always thought, you know, Pikmin, oh, that looks cute. I don't know if it's my jam. Same. And I've heard that Pikmin 4 is like super, not maybe not super different, but it does things a little bit differently than previous entries. That makes it more approachable. Um, and I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did. And it's actually kind of consumed my life the past couple of weeks. So definitely a surprise on that front for me with Pikmin 4. Totally. Talk about a game that, like, every time we saw a trailer for it during a Nintendo event, I could have cared less. Yep, I was same. like, I'm not at all excited for this. I've never played a Pikmin game. It doesn't really look like my jam. I like RTS, but folks are like, well, this isn't really an RTS. I'm like, well, that's I I'm confused what this is. And so there was a lot, of, a lot of positive buzz around Pikmin 4. So I jumped in and just what a damn pleasant surprise. And in a in a year where we had a lot of great Nintendo games, like this was 100% one of the best and great gameplay loop, relaxing. Ochi's my boy, yeah. best boy. Um, riding riding the dog around, solving puzzles. I I also like. I feel like it's a it's a weird Nintendo game, and I like when Nintendo gets weird like B side album vibes. But yep. that was Pikmin, where you're like digging up old Game Boy cartridges and carrying them back to your ship. And you're like, what is this weird little game that kind of has Wally Pixar movie energy? And it's just wacky and wild and fun and relaxing. And I never stressed out playing it. And I'm going to keep saying that because that's like, that's a, thing. that's a big thing yeah. to just like totally just like be like chill you out and keep you engaged. Uh, I feel like Miyamoto Although I believe he's not directly involved in the development of this one. Um, I feel like this is just his like sicko little side project that. Oh, yeah. He only wants Pikmin to 
Like, for the rest of his life, if he only did Pikmin, he'd be very happy. Yeah, I think about friend of the show, Jesse Vitelli's catchphrase of weird little guys or weird little sickos. And it's mm-hmm. like, Pikmin are weird little sickos. And, but <laughs> but I love moving them around and carrying stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, We didn't talk about Dredge yet. And I do love Dredge, but in context of this category, I don't know if it hangs because... There was a lot of positive buzz from me from folks I trust going into it. And so mm-hmm. I think I expected to love it. And then I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't know if it surprised me in the same way as these other games. Yeah, I think Dave blew the doors off uh, in like our circles. And then Dredge was just like, hey, this is a really cool video it's game. It's really solid. Yeah. 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 I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't give the overall award to Hi-Fi Rush. I just feel like it's the definition of surprise yep yeah for 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 this group agree i know you haven't played it yet claire but i do think you would feel that way about it if you did makes sense probably okay all right locking it in hi-fi rush is our most pleasant surprise runners up seems like what are we feeling strong about dave the diver talked about dave the diver (laughs) just for funsies can we do dave the diver and robocop because I feel like that, that represents a fun spectrum mm-hmm. of like really high quality game that we all loved. And then the outlier weird one that's like has no business being this good. Yep. I think it's kind of fun. I'm into it. Okay. We good with that. Joseph, mm-hmm. how do you feel? Let's do it. Okay. We're doing it. Love it. All right. I made it the wrong blue, but I'll fix it momentarily. Um, All right. Our most pleasant surprise goes to Hi-Fi Rush with winners Dave the Diver and Robocop Rogue City. Awesome. Next up, we have most underrated game. Our nominees are Bakura, On Guard, Chia, Terra Nil, Varney Lake, World of Horror, and Chance of Sonar. Who wants to kick this one off? Uh, I can kick it off and talk about World of Horror, okay. um, which hit 1.0 this year. Um, it's essentially like a one-bit um, adventure game inspired by Japanese folklore somewhat. So essentially, like, the world is ending in each of your runs because also it's a roguelite. And you essentially have to do, like, PC adventure game stuff um, that are essentially, like, within a run, you have to beat five mysteries. Uh, there are 20 mysteries total in the game. Each of the specific mysteries, um, there are, like, anywhere from three to six endings in those. And you just have to get to the end of each of those mysteries and then sort of beat a final boss that is about to, like, create or, or destroy the world, all while having, like, a doom gauge slowly, like, run while you're like, oh, no, the, the game is ending. But you can also be killed at any time. Uh, some of the stuff that happens is surprising in this one. Like, at one point, you can get a mask that, like, will spoilers slight spoilers for world of horror that like you take it off and then oops my face is gone um there's a lot of body horror in this one and i'm not usually a body horror guy but essentially one person did all the art for this game in ms paint so like i think just that in itself that one person made this game over many years um it's a game that more people should be talking about. And I think that if you want to pick it up on PC, like that is the ideal way to play it. There's just so much content in this game, so much writing, uh, so much like grotesque art, so many different scenarios you can go through. Um, Eastbird Games is the publisher, and they just have like such a knack for picking 
games. They've published. They're publishing Demon School. Um, they're they've done. Uh, they've published this game, and I just like. I just want more people to play and talk about World of Horror because I think it's just badass. World of Horror. Sounds cool. Very good pick. Sorry, I was in the background putting our going screen to up. screen capture because I forgot that I hadn't been doing that this whole time <laughs> and I'll fix it in post, but it's fine. Um, yeah, that, that game sounds really cool. I, I would like to play it at some point. Um, two all of these games, I think for the most part, like I think with the exception of Chia, Terra Nil, and Chance of Sonar, I've heard next to nothing in terms of like industry chatter and internet discussion. Um, I want to talk about On Guard because I'm pretty sure I'm the only one that played this one. Mm -hmm. um, I reviewed it. It's really, really delightful. It is an action sword play game. It has a really vibrant... Um, cartoonish art style it feels like the best like it feels like a cartoon i would have watched as a kid with swashbuckling pirate swordplay combat it's really satisfying to pull off parries it kind of reminds me of sifu in that way if you're moving through environments and fighting hordes of enemies but then you can like pick up flower pots and things and throw them at enemies at one point you're in a banquet hall and you can pick up a roast turkey oh throw yeah. it on a guy's head to stun him you kick him off there's a great kick in the game like it, it's just a very satisfying gameplay loop and i i remember seeing this one during a i want to say a wholesome games event but mm -hmm. it, it's just a charming game the story is fun it's not it's breezy it's it's not terribly long i think it's i finished around four or five hours it, it's a nice length and then there's a replayable um, kind of arena based mode that you can do if you want to kind of play around with different um, multipliers and different things and just enjoy the combat because the combat is really, really good and it is worth playing. And I've heard next to no one talk about this game, but it's very fun. Yeah, it's one I've been wanting to get around to playing and it's looked very fun in the trailer. So I'm glad to see that you. Did you beat it or did you I just did beat get it. your turn? I did beat oh, cool. it, yeah. It's like four or five hours. It's a nice, it's a good like weekend game for sure. Nice, okay. Cool. And I think it's only available on Steam at this time. So worth noting, but 100% worth playing. Um, Claire, can you tell us about Bakara? You and I played this together. And once again, I've heard next to no one talk about this game outside of us. Yeah, I think I read like one article about it from some like random small. It's so good, yeah. though. Mm -hmm. It is so good. Um, We discovered this actually like basically right after it came out, I think, which we didn't realize at the time. Um, And we we took a really big break. So we just finished it. Um, But Bakura is one of these these two person co-op games where it's like mandatory co-op and you have to be um doing it together mm -hmm. but you have to be on separate consoles or a separate systems whatever separate screens because you don't you can't see what the other person is seeing and then there gets to a point in the game pretty early on where what each person sees is different than what the other person sees and so you're kind of platforming and puzzle solving through the world to try to get to the objective and not die and there's you know challenges that you face that are going to kill you in in somewhat gruesome ways um and what you see is just vastly different and that 
is so interesting and it it's executed so well in the game like it it feels really polished and we, we didn't really have any bugs or issues with the game like not working or like it wasn't floaty at all the platforming was really solid um and that's you know don't take that for granted either um but the the story was really interesting and just weird where um it's like these two little boys and they're you know have different leases on life they walk different worlds and you kind of it's like a commentary on like what poverty and like being a child of divorce and like all these things do to you like psychologically huh. i feel like um and it's but more, through a child's way more eye, mature yeah it's, i thought it, it was it going is. to be like it has some deep themes there's like murder and there's like there is some like weird body <laughs> stuff going on too where there's like there's like a brain monster with multiple eyeballs that eats people um and <laughs> no there's thanks. like and there's like a house made out of like and there's like a house of horrors where this guy is like making a frankenstein's monster type situation going on um there's like a mechanic later in the game where like a dog's depending on which player you are a dog's spine will just come out of its body like i don't know if you should say much more because i think kind of unfolding surprises of what the game actually ends up being is half the fun um i won't say anymore no no you're um, all good though i think those are all things that are like there's if you search if you go, do a google sure, search yeah, you'll come no, up with images of these things and and whatnot but cool. um, yeah i probably said a little bit too much but no you're fine anyway it's really cool <laughs> i would just add to that i think it does such a good job with the multiplayer and i think any game that forces you to communicate with your co-op partner in an authentic way is very interesting um i believe there is a buddy pass for this one so if you buy one copy of the game on steam you'll get a code for oh, cool. your friend to play it isn't that what we did um yeah, yeah it's it's only like five bucks um but there is the note of you do have to have two computers two. to play it independently claire played on our, our laptop, laptop in the yeah. same room with me but you could play it online multiplayer as well um but yeah it just what a surprise what an interesting game what a weird game different than what i expected but really quality and i'm I'm glad we got a chance to play it i'm about to check that out because i played the pass within this year which mm-hmm. is like a similar thing where you need two copies of the game uh you have to buy them full price it's like uh i don't know between five and ten bucks each um and they they're not tied together but the story happens in such a way that like you don't need to be connected but in order to get through you know side a's um you know, story, you need things out of side B, so you literally can't advance in one until you do things in the other. Um, so if you're saying it's sort of like that, like, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, totally. it is. Yeah. A little bit more cooperative, like, you have to talk to each other to solve the puzzle of the platform. Like, yeah, Luke will be like, jump now, and then I'll jump or whatever. Like, you have to talk each other through it. So. But it's really cool. Um, Joseph, you chatted about Ch- Chance of Sonar. I think I was the one who added that one to this list, but it definitely is belongs in this category and it's very good. And yeah, I mean, um, I think it probably should have been in the discussion for indie game of the year. I enjoyed it that much. Um, and it wasn't the only thing was I didn't really play it until like the last few weeks of December. So I just had no clue how fun it was. Um, but yeah, like this definitely feels like one of those inscription uh level surprises where you're like, "Oh wow, this game this game that might have looked weird in the beginning is actually really really incredible." Um 
so yeah, like I know a couple people have, you know, talked about how great it was. Like a few people have tried it and, and praised it, but definitely I think in the greater sphere of gaming, I think it definitely needs a lot more praise. Agreed. Um, Jacob, do you want to talk about Varney Lake? Yeah, Varney Lake is uh, published by Chorus Worldwide, and it's part of the Pixel Pulp series of little PC adventure games. I think that it's it's two timelines, um, one where you're in 1954 and you're just like enjoying summer with your pals, and then oops, you discover a vampire, uh, and the vampire becomes your pal, uh, and then there's this other storyline of, you know, in the 80s, characters from that storyline in 54 just like going through the consequences of the things that happened that summer. It's two hours. It's got, again, very much like the world of horror, not quite one bit, but it's got like an old school PC adventure, uh, like pastel to it. Uh, I just think it's rad. And again, more people need to check out um, the series. There's three games in this Pixel Pulp series, uh, Mothman 1966. Uh, and then they have a new one that literally just came out last month called, um, I think it's called bon- Bonson Knights. And that okay. one is very like, it's about cults, but it's got like a, I don't want to say cyberpunk, but it's got like the color scheme of like um, synthwave music, like your pinks and Ooh. your purples okay. and your oranges. Uh, so it's one that I, I literally have a code for now and I'm excited to check out. But um, nice. again, a game I just want to like call out to say like Varney Lake is rad. The series is rad. Please play them. That sounds awesome. Sounds cool. I also love a good two hour game. So that's <laughs> that, that sounds like a nice vibe. More short games. Thanks. Yeah, agreed. Claire, shall we talk about Terra Nil in the context of this one? Sure. Um, I mean, I love Terra Nil. I've talked about why. I felt like it did get some buzz, though. I don't think it was like nobody was talking about it, but um, maybe that's just because I was like actively seeking out content about it. Um, I definitely think it needs to be on people's radar because it is that, once again, that like really interesting commentary on how we interact with the environment and i think it's really important in this time that we're in right now with like climate change going on and how we're at like a crucial breaking point in that i think that it like is really important in like that cultural greater cultural context um so if it's not on your radar it should be but i i do once again i think it got some buzz so i'm not necessarily sure it hangs with some of these other games that like literally no one is talking about um, that are so cool to that note I would say I think we can cut Chia from this category as much as I love it. I do feel like it got its flowers. I felt like it was shouted out with the Game Awards win for um, Best Games impact. for Impact. Games yeah. for Impact is the category. Thank you. Um, and I feel like there was a good buzz around the review embargo. I, I We chatted about it on Lukewarm Games extensively. I put out a written review. I know a lot of other folks played it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really really a solid game and i think there's a lot of wonderful things to celebrate about it but i do think it was like appropriately yeah discussed mm-hmm. if that is fair agreed okay how are we do we want to let's go around the horn and do uh, a number one check-in i think i have a rough idea of where folks are at i think for me i'd probably go bakura yeah me too as, as a game that i think no one talked about that deserves to be in conversation Joseph, where are you at? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, uh, obviously the only one I've played is Chances of Sonar, but I mm-hmm. was going to say, based off of 
uh, the pitch Claire gave about the dog with a spine coming out and the uh, <laughs> it's so weird the images I'm seeing like uh, on Google images. Yeah, that was a very compelling uh, pitch for me. Okay. So, I mean, you've, you've definitely it's hard for me to say it's underrated, but you've definitely piqued my interest. So, OK, I wouldn't be against Fair. that one. Right on. Jacob, how about for you? I'm World of Horror, but I think that if the category based on your explanation was Bakura and then the runner-up was Chance to Sonara, I'd be happy. Makes sense to me. Do we want a second runner-up? Make World of Horror second runner-up? I'm cool with that. Yeah, I think it sounds really cool. Yeah, let's do it. I was just changing the format to two runner-ups per category. I I feel like we actually did that last year and I changed it by making it one. (laughs) mid Mid, I didn't like consciously do it. I was just like, maybe we should um, narrow it down a little bit. Okay, so for most underrated game, our overall winner is Bakura, with the runners up being World of Horror and Chance of Sonar. Cool. Very right. nice. Very good. Next up, we have Claire. You have introduced this category into our lives, and it's it's a fun one. Do you want to introduce this one? Yeah, this is my category. This is Best Little Buddy. Uh, best creature companion yes. um so we are nominating the creature companions from the game um and i think i can pronounce all these okay so we have mui from planet of lana uh the ballast from jacent Oachi from pikmin 4 peppermint the cat from hi-fi rush torgo from final fantasy 16 Spider-Man, the Bodega Cat. Oh, no, because it is Spider-Man, right? The cat the is cat, named the Spider-Man. The Bodega Cat yes. from the Spider-Man. The, okay, from Spider-Man 2. <laughs> uh, Bread and Fred from Bread and Fred. And Scratch from Baldur's Gate 3. This is a good list. Yeah. This is a good list of folks. Can I talk about one that I think immediately, like, maybe doesn't fit the mold of the category? And that's sure. Bread and Fred. My thought was, like... <laughs> They're not companions. They're not. They're, They're companions, companions to each other. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And if you're playing, you know, one player. So if you're playing single player, there's actually a version where there's a, your, a rock is your companion. Um, but oh, my thought really? was That's like, funny. hey, if I'm playing as bread, my companion is Fred. Um, but I think based on the definition of the category, like it doesn't really fit as much as bread and Fred is like a hard, cool platformer to play with. It was friends. supposed to be like not a. Not a playable thing. Yeah. Or like anthropomorphic animals don't count, but like specifically, this is an animal or, you know, animal like thing that does not really like talk or well, and have a person. I think it's like, you, it's like a cat, basically. It's a cat yeah. or a dog. I think you or added or... the best creature companion stipulation because I wanted you to wanted put to Garl put... from Sea of Stars in here because he <laughs> is best little buddy, but. And I was like, it yeah, doesn't, doesn't hang count. with the definition of the category. <laughs> um, I can kick things off for this one. I want to talk about Ochi from Pikmin 4. Um, I think aside from just being a delightful creature companion, I think he actively makes the game more fun and easy to maneuver around the environments. You can train him so he gets leveled up and stronger. Um, he's he's great in combat like there's so many layers to the gameplay that he just enhances and he's just a he's a good boy he's a good good buddy you can pet him you can give him treats and then you can can gulp treasure can you pet i think you can pet him am i tripping not sure maybe not maybe you can't pet him don't remember just misremembering i I feel like there's a cutscene where your character pets him Maybe mm-hmm. you can't like in game stop and click B to pet him, but I think petting you can does happen. Ride him. 
you can ride it. Yeah, that's, pretty cool. that's a whole whole mechanic to it. But that's probably my front runner. But there are some other compelling ones. Shout out to Bodega Cat. You yep. love to see it. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. You unlock the costume. You can swing around the city with the cat as a cat dad. Love it. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm just going to quickly say this. Ochi, a little bit of Uncanny Valley going on there, right? Like In terms of proportion? Or eyes are the, too I human? Mean, yeah, his eyes That's don't fair. look right on this on this like <laughs> thing that he is. It's kind of scary. When in the, there's I'm like just... one specific angle where he's like kind of doing the like side eye emoji thing where he's like looking at the corner of his eye and I'm like, That's a little weird. But I, I but he's a good dog, you know. Good I think I like Ochi sometimes. more from like a practicality gameplay perspective than That's I fair. am like I want you to come home and be my 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 friend, my pet. Looking at these uh, images on Google Images, it's like one of those things where you're sleeping at night and you see the two eyes and you're like, oh, shoot, he's here. And you turn the light on and it's like two hangers or something, something weird like that. So they for sure put Oshie, googly eyes on this boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they definitely did. That's really funny. Uh, Do you want to talk uh, about Scratch? I... Yeah, sure. Scratch is, you know, he's he's a good guy. Scratch is a good buddy. Uh, I'll give light spoilers in very early in Baldur's Gate, come across a dog next to a dead body. And basically you need to have this specific spell or one of your characters needs to have this specific spell to talk to animals. Uh, and then you can talk to the dog and the dog is like, uh, Hey, get away from here. I'm just waiting for my owner to wake up. And you're like, Oh, this is sad. And you're like, well, you know, you can either tell him, hey, your owner's not waking up, buddy. Or you can say, hey, well, you know, if that doesn't work out, you know, you can come to our camp and and hang out with us if he doesn't wake up. So best of luck to you. And that's what I did. And I didn't want to crush his little dog dreams. So I said, hey, man, like, if your owner's not okay, come meet us at the camp. And the dog met us at the camp. He was like, hey, you guys are right. Thank you for being kind to me. And now he just brings me snuff whenever I go back to camp. Uh, he's just a nice little boy and you can pet him. And whenever you pet him, other people in the camp look at you while you're petting him and then you get some little companion points for petting. Oh, so, uh, I like that. But does he and talk? You can actually, does this dog speak? Uh, he only speaks to vibe? you if you have, if you have the speak to animals oh my God. spell or ability, Excellent. you can talk okay, to him. Okay. I like that. Uh, if you don't, he that just is barks. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that adds another Scratch. layer to this that I think is pretty compelling. Yeah, Scratch has some lore. I haven't finished the game, obviously, so I don't know if his lore co- goes any deeper. And I'm too afraid to take him outside of the camp with me because I don't want him to get killed. So he's just at camp with me. That's fair. That's fair. Um, Claire, do you want to talk about your noms for this one? Um, sure. Uh, I put Mui from Planet of Lana, who's this a horrible little cat like creature inspiration for the category um and category yes (laughs) um so so planet of lana is set on like an earth-like planet um and i haven't talked about planet of lana yet so i guess i'll just give the pitch um the art style is what grab me uh first of all because the backgrounds are like hand painted it's like a studio ghibli movie it's beautiful um you are playing as lana uh this little girl who is trying to get to her 
uh, sister who has been kidnapped by these like invading alien robot things. And so Mui is your creature companion and the game is uh, basically a puzzle solving platformer and Mui helps you solve the puzzles. Uh, so you have to command Mui to go do X, Y, or Z to help you solve the puzzle and get through the area and keep moving. Um, or, you know, defeat monsters and beasts and robots or just get past them uh, who are trying to do you harm um but mui is adorable makes little sounds i can't remember if you can pet mui but i I think you can um and their like relationship grows throughout the game and i won't spoil anything but uh it does tug on your heartstrings a bit as you get further into the game um and like i saw someone is like making like crocheted muis and selling them on etsy and oh, i was like mm, i might get one because cute. they're super cute uh so i think mui is uh just like 10 out of 10 creature companion adorable plus functional on yeah i would agree i think that's a strong contender for this one i feel like if it was the inception for the category that says something about the significance or at least how it much it resonated with you for sure yeah. um Joseph Jacob, as folks who have finished Final Fantasy 16, does Torgal get like more significant? Because where I'm at, it's just like he's a nice, he's a nice dog. He's a good dog. Torgal oh, made boy. me cry. Okay, all right. Yeah, Torgal That's... did not make me cry. All right, <laughs> canceled out. Okay, yeah, no, I'm kidding. So there's a side mission, and like that okay. means you have to like get highly invested in like going through every side mission. But there's essentially a side mission that just shows you in great detail how much loyalty uh, Torgal had towards you that um, essentially like without this is like baby baby spoilers for Final Fantasy 16. It's fine. That essentially for me, he went back to the place where he thought you may have perished and like started collecting items that were yours and like put them in a place. Oh, God, I'm even like like starting to like get sad thinking about it that like put them in a place that was really significant to both of you. So like that just shows to me that like Torgal is a loyal good boy and uh in addition he just becomes like a very powerful companion in the end uh to you. So that's why like <laughs> Torgal to me is my goodest boy. Well, I will say I did not see that cutscene. That is not anything against Torgal, that is more against the game itself and the side missions. Uh my my biggest uh, experience with Torgal is that he does become very powerful at a point in the game, and they just never talk about that again. <laughs> and that's why that's why I'm like, what's go, what's going? What it, I need to know more about Torgal. Maybe it was in a side mission that I did not see. I don't know, but uh, yeah, Torgal has some mysteries that I need uncovered. All right, fair. I think my only argument against Torgal would just be that if that happened in a side mission, a majority of the side missions I played in 16 were not compelling to me whatsoever. And that's not saying that your perspective is totally valid, Jacob, but it just like if the game didn't encourage me to keep going down the rabbit hole of side missions, I feel like. You know what I mean? I I, I want to weigh your emotions into this, though, because I brother. think it. you know for me personally i want to get back to it at some point but i just don't feel compelled but i feel more compelled hearing your your passion just watch a cutscene i i could have also um your chocobo in this one what is the name of your chocobo in final fantasy 16 
couldn't tell you who you're talking about. I don't know who you're talking about, though. Uh, People liked him, too. Yeah, cho- your Chocobo in FF16, I'll get the name. It just is escaping me at the moment. Like, there's also a moment in that one that, I mean, there's two times in Final Fantasy 16 where I cried, and it was both animal stuff. Joshua. <laughs> Um, I think the only other one we haven't talked about is Peppermint from Hi-Fi Rush. Cool cat. Yeah, I mean... Cool cat, yeah. Peppermint I think that kind of... Cool. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's he's technically a robot, so right. I mean, does, does he get <laughs> disqualified for that? Yes. But <laughs> but he is funny. I do like Peppermint. I threw, threw him on there because I was like, it's a fun character. Yeah, I, I don't know if it hangs with our passion for some of these. Um... We didn't talk about the ballast oh, from Jusant. Cute. Cute little guy. Very little, cute. Very cute. Yeah. Significant in the end. <laughs> <laughs> their their role is significant in the overall narrative, but like moment to moment, it's... Are we the only two who have finished Jusant? I think company? so, because you okay. didn't play Jusant, Joseph, did you? Or finish it? Nope. Okay. Nope. All right. Just yeah, so it's demo. just the two of us. Um, Claire, since you were the arbiter for this category... What is your what's in the it, conversation? It sounds to you? like we're really. I'm obviously gonna champion Mui from Planet of Lana, but it sounds like we're we're really into Torgal and Scratch. Those are the ones who have had compelling pitches. I feel like. Yeah. Is that fair? I mean, I think honestly, that's I would our also, three. Oh, go ahead, Joseph. I would say you know Scratch is great, but Scratch stays at camp, so my vote would not be for Scratch. Not a even companion. though he does have a. Yeah, I mean, he's not. Yeah, he's not really companioning me. He's more like you know, guy at camp. But uh, are you Mui, choosing, in the spirit of Baldur's Gate, are you choosing not to do that and have the animal oh, I skill am. where you're talking <laughs> that's, to him? That's <laughs> true. I do think it's kind of cool that you have the option to make him like a fully fleshed out, like speaking the, companion. That is true. That is true. I mean, I'm gonna have to. I mean, I'm telling. I'm telling you guys, I am deathly scared of taking this guy out of camp because who knows this guy gets caught by a stray arrow and then i'll just be devastated all right uh so i mean just from my experience sure scratch is not okay a a companion you're the Baldur's gate representative on this panel here so i'll defer to you but i was gonna say i did play planet of lana i didn't finish it but i did play and i do like movie movie is very cute as well so I would put some power behind. Mui's a cool looking cat. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Cat or cat thing? Cat like creature? Cat like creature. Okay. Love it. Okay. So are we are we feeling Mui overall winner? Yeah. I think we're feeling Mui. Mui. Let's do it. And then we got runners up. Torgal. Torgal? Yeah. I I think Jacob's picture is compelling. Yeah. I think let's do it. Hell yeah, crying is great. (laughs) <laughs> crying is great don't be afraid to show your emotions and then i think for me the most compelling argument i know you didn't take him out at camp joseph but i think scratch is a compelling second runner-up I mean, show scratch love scratch yeah, is a great and loyal boy did, let's do it i'm curious uh straw pool i guess did you all did you all play skyrim and have the thing where you find the dead guy's dog it's a very similar setup you find the dead guy's dog and then he follows you around except for that you can't really leave him places and he will just randomly follow you but he like won't fast travel with you so like you'll fast travel across the world and then he'll like try to catch up to you and get killed by a wolf along the way and you won't know it what until the... you're like i'm 
then you're like, what the heck just happened? And you just have to go find the dog and like load a last save so he's still alive. I don't remember this, this at all. Just, I do not honest. remember that yeah. either. Okay. I didn't play Skyrim. dog meat. Really? Dog meat yeah. Fallout wow. 3. Wow. That's like. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. JK. That's kind of more wild get, like, than you're not playing Spider-Man until this year thing. That's interesting. I'm not going to lie, Jacob. You shouldn't have said that. You should take it back right now. <laughs> sorry, my gamer card is now revoked. I apologize. Yeah, absolutely. You're off the pod. I'm sorry. Yeah, we'll sorry, guys. Another time. No, it's okay. <laughs> well, the good news is you can play it literally on any yeah, system. Yeah, you have an Amazon e- Echo. <laughs> Put up your refrigerator. Go play it on your refrigerator. All right. Let's head into Best Fishing. Our nominees are Dredge, Dave the Diver, and Sea of Stars. I have an immediate complaint, all right? I have an immediate complaint. <laughs> is of course it because I do. put Sea of Stars on this list? It is because you put Sea of Stars okay. on this list. Sea of Stars, they hyped up this fishing for years, all right? <laughs> they say, yeah, our RPG is great, plus it has fishing, all right? I boot this game up. I'm so excited. I find the first pond. There's tons of fish in there. I catch every single fish in the pond. And you know what that does? Nothing. All right. <laughs> it does nothing for me. It it wasn't even that fun. The mechanic to catch the fish is honestly a little stressful, especially when you're trying to catch 20 of these fish in the pond. And sure, I have like unlimited cooking resources for fish, I guess. But let me tell you, not as hyped as they were making it sound. That's fair. I would say... I put it on this list because I think that the cooking mechanic in Sea of Stars is very cool and compelling and the fishing kind of feeds directly into that in a way. Um, In terms of like a literal like gameplay loop, I don't think it hangs with our other two nominees. So I do think this is a a Dredge versus Dave the Diver showdown. But I wanted to give it a shout out as a game that had fishing that I enjoyed this year. You know, so and I won't. I won't rain on your parade. I'll let you have that. I just wanted uh, to get that off my chest. No, that's fair. It, it's not going to win. But shout out Sea of Stars. It, it'll come back in other categories. Um, I feel like th- I put this one for fun because I think earlier on the in the year when we did our um, game of the year so far, we were like, what is the, the consensus between Dredge versus Dave the Diver? But I think we may have already covered it when we had Dredge versus Dave the Diver for gameplay loop. Yep. Claire, you're raising your, you look like you're making a point, a serious point. Hit us with it. Hit us with the truth. Here's the thing. If we're talking about the fishing specifically, you're not really fishing in Dave the Diver. You're just swimming around Mm. and like slaughtering Mm. fish with a gun. She's right. I was going to say the same thing. Same thing. That's pretty good. So I think Dredge has to win by default. Uh That's just me. Yeah. I mean, I'm with her. I'm I also Dredge, with her. So I'm not going to complain. Did Liv okay. make this category just so Dredge could beat Dave the Diver in something? We will never know. To be honest, I really didn't see this happening, and I thought we were just going to give it to Dave, but I love Dredge. Sure. I'm, I'm down I mean, to award it. Dredge, no with, runners. When you're talking about fishing specifically, I really do feel like a fisherman in Dredge where I'm like throwing out the little cages to catch my lobster, and I'm switching out the rods and all that stuff to catch the specific you know coastal versus volcanic fish i feel mm-hmm. like dredge nails that aspect dave the diver yeah i'm just murdering i'm just murdering man i also at least for me personally i felt more compelled to catch different types of fish and explore in dredge because i found like the the ui of the your like encyclopedia book really cool yeah. as you're filling it out and finding stuff and uncovering things 
Whereas I only felt compelled in Dave to really branch out if they were like, it's tuna season, it's tuna special. You got to go out and get your tuna or your squid or your jellyfish or whatever it was. And I think that's a unique twist because of the restaurant angle, but I didn't on its own feel like as compelled to fill out that Pokedex, so to speak, of fish. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Are we giving it to Dredge? Best fishing. Best dredge. I guess by default, runner up, Dave the Diver. No, by default, no runners up. <laughs> no runners up for that one. I'm kind of right. cool with no runners up. I think let's go no runners up for that one. We're going to move on from that one to a fan favorite category. Jacob, take it away. Uh, hi, this is the Business Boys 23, uh, 2023 Bit of Bad Business. Uh, this is the category where we recognize uh, bad things that happen in the video game industry. We're a positive podcast. And this award show is here to, you know, represent the best in gaming. Uh, but this is the category where we where we don't do that. And we say, hey, video game industry, do better. And so the four things that we have here are uh, gaming layoffs. I've numbered a few of them here. Epic laid off A30, EA 780, Amazon 180, Bungie, Ubisoft 124, uh, 343 Industries laid off 95, Bioware laid off 50, Naughty Dog laid off 25. Um... This was the best year for video games ever, except for the people. Uh, and then the other three, uh, we have Unity. Uh, just everything that happened there at Unity, which I, I can give a small, um, you know, brief summation of what happened there. It was bad. And just a reminder, um, John Riccatello, who is no longer the CEO of Unity, once said, and this is, I believe, a direct quote. Uh, you know, he was the one that launched loot boxes at EA when he was CEO and said, games without monetization in, in mind are fucking idiots. Um, I believe that's a direct quote. Uh, so we'll just leave that there for now. Uh, and then the other two are Charles, Charles Martinet no longer being the voice of Mario, but also the new voice actor Kevin Afghani not being celebrated, and the PS5 Slim uh, cost savings as marketing. Uh, I think there's a clear winner here, um, mm-hmm. but I want to know mm-hmm. if, if we should dive in maybe a little bit on the Unity stuff. Do you guys Unity remember everything is, that happened? It's real dumb. Yeah, it, <laughs> it you can dumb. summarize it or I can't. But like, just such a, such a not well thought out mess mm-hmm. that, if executed as announced, would have totally screwed over developers. Would have fucked up the economy of the indie dev scene in such a major way. And just as like, it doesn't even make sense. Mm-hmm. Unity, I think, was a w- upstanding, well liked engine. Mm-hmm. And up to fifty percent of the industry was using yeah. that engine in 2020. Yeah, and guess what? Engine new dev studios are not going to use Unity, even if yeah, like they just it it was such a nosedive for the industry, and just watching it unfold was it for me. It is bad business, but for me, it's like dumbest thing. Yeah. Whereas I think there's something else on this list that for me is like legitimately bad practice, evil corporation awful vibes and look i understand how things like this happen and sorry to bring sure. up my favorite topic that i bring up in this sh- in the show no but, it's uh, interesting cheap, yeah. cheap inflation. Debt. hey guess what they weren't making a profit debt is no longer cheap so what they said is hey we need to turn the crank and make a profit finally so in their mind they were like hey why don't we just uh make every time that you download a game and install a game there's a fee uh every time you install a demo that uses our engine there's a fee uh, and ho, hey, like when someone actually downloads off Game Pass, where you probably get a fixed amount of income for being on a service like Game Pass, there's a fee. So 
that could be weaponized. Like they didn't even think of like, oh, that could actually be weaponized to like bankrupt developers. Uh, they have since like gone back and retread a lot of this. Uh, but like to me, the damage is done. And the thing that I saw a lot in our spaces was developers being like, hey, we just can't use Unity for our next projects because like, sure, they went back on a lot of this, but who says, you know, now there's a, I believe it's a Silver Lake Capital, like basically put in a CEO that is from outside of the company to run the company. Who says five years from now, they don't do the same thing, right? So yeah. I've seen a lot of, I think, is it Pardot as being the the like number one engine people are now going to that like, this is a, a decision that will not probably pay dividends or like hurt the company this year but five years from now will there be 50 percent of the industry that's using unity absolutely not yeah i mean like i think the thing about this is is like the lack of trust and i'm gonna be i'm gonna play devil's advocate for a second i don't think unity came out of the gate with this plan to be super malicious and to hurt indie devs or anything like that i think they probably just looked at their metrics and said okay our biggest user is this x billion dollar company how do we take a portion of this so that we can increase our profits and just completely miss the ball on the smaller market which they probably whoever is making this decisions at the high high level probably doesn't really factor in the smaller market and they probably were like oh yeah like maybe this could happen but we're not targeting these people so they don't need to worry about it and once you put that information out, uh, it, then it's just a matter of like all of the loudest voices bring up their edge cases or whatever. Um, and basically, it's just the Unity PR team trying to, you know, speak for the whole company when there really hasn't been any decisions made or any, uh, you know, edge cases or contingencies made for those specific scenarios. So basically, this oversight from whoever signed off on the final plan for unity basically you know dug themselves a, a big big grave here um so i i have hope that unity stays reasonable for devs that continue to work on the platform but i mean i don't i really don't understand how this could be looked over so many times and like somebody didn't have you know backup plans in in place to answer a lot of these questions so uh, very unfortunate. I, I know, I'm sure that the people at Unity who work on the engine and stuff, you know, had nothing to do with this, and I'm I'm sad that their name got dragged through the mud and everything. But totally, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing over there? Well, and I remember the other t layer to that because they're based here in SF, and the, like the they had to shut down the office after all of this went down, and the employees were getting death threats, and like just like software developers doing their freaking jobs they didn't make this call and so that's another yeah. layer to it that also just sucked so i'm glad you you brought that up joseph as well yeah joseph that's a great yeah. point to remember that they were like trying to target free-to-play games that essentially weren't paying unity what they right. deemed their fair share this was for genshin this mm -hmm. was not for slay the spire you know so right right it's, sure it's really too bad uh i will quickly go through the other two and then we can just i think make a decide on a winner unless there's anything else you guys want to jump on or add um charles martinet has been the voice of mario for many many years and i feel like at the start it was just literally just a press release being like hey charles martinet is not the new voice actor and they didn't even bother saying who the new one was until the game literally came out and then there was this weird video of like i think they had said like hey we're gonna film a video with him and mr miyamoto like when they can be together 
Um, but I think, you know, Charles is essentially like, I would say the most prominent game voice actor in the business. And for them to sort of just like push him off into a corner, it just felt really awful. Um, and to not celebrate Kevin Afghani and the other voice actors that were, are now part of Super Mario Wonder, um, I, th- I think kind of sucked too. Yeah. Fair. I, Nintendo is kind of a weird company where <laughs> I feel like they operate as almost like a hive mind where everyone that does things for Nintendo is Nintendo yep. to some extent at this point. Like I think notable case of this was, you know, uh, the Zelda or Nintendo Orchestra or whatever they called it for Zelda Tears of the Kingdom was nominated for best soundtrack instead of whoever was the actual composer yep. and, and and team there. Uh, so I get why they do it. You know, it's like, hey, we are Nintendo. We don't want anyone to be bigger than the product itself or or the team itself. Uh, but it is also very weird. Um, I think obviously Charles Martinet became popular before Nintendo really adopted this ideology. Um, and I mean, hopefully he's still around as this Nintendo ambassador that he's planning to to be. Uh, I'm sure, like they will have him on retainer ideally doing random gigs but yeah this is this this was definitely one of the weirder stories of the year feels like a missed opportunity too to have not had either like a nintendo direct or something happen at their nintendo live event where it was like here's charles here's miyamoto here's kevin the the new voice actor and just like have a nice like passing of the torch moment mm-hmm would have gotten them some wholesome points and been a nice nice thing Mm -hmm. i don't know maybe we'll still get that at some point but it's yeah it's it's odd it's just i mean it it leaves a bad taste in your mouth i feel like they definitely do not want that passing of the torch moment uh i think they kind of want charles martinet to stay who he is and then going forward mario is just mario Mm -hmm. Um, yeah i don't know if they i mean and i don't necessarily blame them for that because i do feel like more and more in this days and this day and age you have someone as the face of your brand and then that person kind of screws up and takes the brand down with them uh but i don't know man i don't (laughs) know that's fair that's fair ps5 slim uh they are making a smaller model uh they basically like made it this big thing of like oh you're getting a smaller model it's great uh hey you can remove the disc drive when really like they're probably making more money on these consoles and they're not passing on any of the savings and look they can do whatever they want they usually sell these at a loss it takes them years to sell them at a profit um but we are out of supply constraint now these are readily available and like just just call it what it is just like hey you're going to see new PS5s on the shelf. They're a little smaller. They've got a removable disk drive. That's it. In some territories, the price actually went up for PS5. So mm, in Canada, it's actually more expensive now for a PS5. And I get what they're doing. They're probably like adding a bundling a game now to say like you're getting more value from the same box price. Um, but just, you know, this doesn't deserve fanfare. It's like you made a smaller console so you can make more money. Just stop. It, it also messes with my my ps5 obsession the the face plates yeah i like the colored face plates i have the spider-man ones they look awesome oh god what are you they got doing this other with that? slim thing what are they doing with that exactly yeah what are they we'll doing see. with that it's we'll dumb see. 
Yeah. Are they going to make new faceplates for that one that are different, that they, you then have to buy different ones? Probably. <laughs> but it is bad business. Yeah. Certainly bad biz- or bad for consumer business, at mm-hmm. least. But look, there's one uh, one that I think we cannot deny. It's just that, you know, there were thousands of people that were laid off from the game industry, despite, you know, this year having the highest revenue year of any uh, game year in history, uh, the most games with critical acclaim in history. And you're just going to let people go, especially people in prominent positions like in community leadership positions. Um, it's just bad and we should stop doing it. Yeah. So that's the winner in my mind, unless you guys have something else. I think with a bullet. Yeah, yeah it's not yeah. even a cool. Over 10,000 people like you can't. It's not the, the loser. The yeah. loser, not the winner. The loser. Yeah, yeah. that's thank you. Just that's better. Treating people better. as expendable, exploiting them for profit, and then getting rid of them as soon as you don't need them anymore. Like, guys, listen, it, AI will better. save us. That's what Square Enix is promising. So, like, we're good. We don't need people. We have AI. No. Yeah, sure. No, AI. Save that just, for next year's bad business. <laughs> oh my god. Just plagiarism. It's yeah, just plagiarism. it's just. It's a robot that steals other people's work for and doesn't give them money or credit. So. Yeah, I just. Shout out to the devs this year that worked really hard that didn't get to have their moment in the spotlight as a result of losing their jobs shortly after the fact. Runners up are, to runners say up the least. <laughs> yeah. I think the runner up for me would be Unity. Yeah. Because Charles Martinet and the PS5 are bad business, but I, they feel like on different levels of like Agreed. impact. Good with me. Personally. Are we good? Okay. Sticking with that. All right, let's jump to best best multiplayer. Our nominees yeah. are Bakura, Disney Illusion Island, Fortnite, Super Mario Wonder, Pikmin 4, and AEW Fight Forever. I think right off the bat, I feel like we can cut Mario unless we're talking about Why the asynchronous stuff. Yeah, agree. It shouldn't be here. I I don't know. I, I put it, I think, just to make the the point because I think people zoomed out if you didn't play it co-op you'd be like why isn't it listed Mm -hmm. because on paper you would assume it's great and it is a great game but i don't think it's a great couch co-op game unfortunately yeah if it was just online multiplayer i think it'd be on this list agreed agreed pikmin 4 i didn't mess with multiplayer but i've heard good things did you play it jacob any of the multiplayer stuff i did not but it's just done dandori battles in multiplayer correct i believe so yeah Okay. It's cool. They're really fun, but might not hang. Um Dandori battle you. Let's do it. That'd be fun. <laughs> um Claire and I played Disney Illusion Island. It was fun. Really delightful, fun. approachable. It is kind of baby's first Metroidvania, but mm-hmm. it's not for a lack of quality. I think the cutscenes are very well animated. Um, they get voice actors. It feels like an awesome Disney Saturday That's morning delightful. cartoon that you're running around and exploring and we had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. We've talked about Bakura. We've talked about Bakura. I think Bakura is probably like my front runner yeah. for this category. Fortnite is always great. Yep. And I do think they had a big year mm-hmm. with their updates, with the Lego mode, with um, Fortnite Festival, with the Harmonix team finally making a, a rhythm game within Fortnite. Um, I was Alan Wake rocking out as Olivia Rodrigo on the drums. Like, what? that's so weird. Yeah. Like, you can't beat that. There's something to that. And the fact that we could all squat up together and do that together, I think, is very amusing. 
Um, Jacob, did you put AW? I did. I put the AW Fight Forever game, which um, I think this game is a good first attempt for the Ukes team to make an AW game, and I appreciate how much they're supporting the game post-release. In uh, putting new modes, like they put a stadium stampede mode in where you like fight in a giant stadium and you like collect power-ups in the stadium and whatever. Um, I think the the multiplayer is is sort of bare bones, uh, where you can't do the full suite of matches that you would expect. But this really harkens back to like the great, great, great um, uh, N sixty four era wrestling games. And so I just want to shout this out as like this is little bare bones, but what's there is fun. And I I am very much looking forward to the second game that they eventually come out with for AEW. Right on. Sounds cool. I will also throw out, I don't think this strengthens the game's argument, but while we were playing Disney Illusion Island, I did discover that I do a pretty good Mickey Mouse impression. Okay, we need to hear it then. Okay. Everyone close your eyes, clear the mechanism. Picture Mickey Mouse. Picture Mickey Mouse. Oh boy! Come on, Pluto! (laughs) That's pretty good! This morning you were like, we're going to Disneyland in the other room, and I was like, we're going to Disneyland. (laughs) (laughs) It's game of the year! (laughs) Uh, Does it win this category just for that? (laughs) I personally would fight pretty hard for Baccarat to take this, because I think it's doing some unique stuff, Mm -hmm. playing with perspective. It, you there's no other way to play the game like it is a co-op multiplayer game that requires communication at its core mm-hmm. so I think, I think it's it's new doing new things but it's mm-hmm. also doing them well and yep. it's solid and yep. polished I think that's how are we feeling about Bakura taking it I'm cool with Bakura uh, Fortnite as one of the runner-ups because it still continues to be just like yeah. I think the it's most great. solid it's great every it's still season the is solid yep I'm I'm cool with that. In a year where a bunch of servers got shut down for different games of service online games, this one is just going stronger and stronger every time. That yeah. means something. You can't mm-hmm. can't deny it. Even though the team there had massive layoffs, but then launched one of their biggest content updates of all time. It's just conflicting, but very good game. Okay, so we're thinking Bakura overall, Fortnite, Fortnite. runner up. Do we need a third runner-up? Or a second runner-up, rather. Unless you want to fight for Disney Illusion Island, I think that those two are good. I th- I just... It's good. I think if you want a co-op game to play with young kids or folks who enjoy Disney, it's solid, but I, I, th- I don't think it's on the same level as these other yeah, two. I think it's a nominee. Yeah. It's a solid nominee. Cool. Yeah. Sweet. All right. Here's a big one, everybody. Best Indie. <laughs> Our nominees are Cocoon, Dredge, Venba, Slay the Princess, Sea of Stars, World of Horror, Terra Nil, Planet of Lana, Jusant, Chance of Sonar. Dear God. So long list. Dear God. All right. um, Joseph, All kick right. us off. Get get us in the right so, headspace. With the respect to time, all right, we still got a lot of games here. <laughs> I, I want to focus in on the games that we truly think are our indies of the year and i will start it off with cocoon um i've been a champion of cocoon from the very beginning even before it came out and i'm glad the game did not prove me wrong very polished very unique uh gameplay mechanism um perfect length uh didn't overstay its welcome and uh it made me feel all sorts of things 
not through story, but just through the gameplay itself and like showing me all the different things I could do as a player that I had no idea I would have been able to do at the beginning of the game. So really enjoy Cocoon and, and for a studio's first project. Um, I think it was stellar. So Cocoon is probably my lead front runner for that. Okay. Claire, how about for you? Um, For me, I think I would take out Planet of Lana. I love Planet of Lana. I think it deserves a nomination, but I don't think its gameplay, especially the platforming, is tight enough to hang with some of these other titles. Um, I also think, for me, Terra Nil loved it. A little short. Uh, so for me, it would be between Jassant and Venba. Um, we haven't talked about Venba yet. Venba is a um, really great, uh, very succinct experience. Um, that is it. What it really shines in is the the narrative and uh, the representation of uh, de- depicting a different story than what most games are about. Um, but the gameplay itself was a little bit on the lighter side. Um, so for me, of these and of what I've played, it would be Jusant. Right on. I think my front runner for this category would be Venba. I was really blown away with that one. I was anticipating it, and I think it lived up to my expectations. Like you said, it is concise. Its representation is amazing. The art direction is really awesome. The music is phenomenal. The cooking mini games are fun and interesting. Um, it's the only game this year that i felt like i could smell the smells of the food in the game which like i think is pretty cool that like it invoked senses um in in a very compelling way and it told a a really engaging story that was really heartfelt and emotional to bring up emotion i cried at the end of jusant or not jusant at at venba i felt all the feels um it's very good i think my runner up would i think either sea of stars or chance of snar but also cocoon uh it's tough i think actually probably i'd I'd align with joseph with cocoon because i i adored that game i thought the puzzle solving was really really well done and in terms of like singular mechanics that are awesome and cool going into the worlds in cocoon is probably one of the coolest things this year surprised that that we didn't put that up in gameplay loop underrated that's fair. That's fair. That, that one's really tough because it's like a it's a mechanic. Yeah, it's like a singular thing, mm-hmm. but it's very cool. Can I talk hmm. about Slay the Princess a little bit? Please, Please do. do. Please do. <laughs> so, Black Tabby Games. Uh, this is a sort of I don't call it a point and click adventure game. Is sort of diminishing what the game does, but I think it's like a game with a cool hook that's sort of framed as a PC style adventure game. Um, that has some like twisting and narrative that goes in different places. Uh, I think the game shows you its trick once and like they can only show you the trick once. Um, but I think the thing that I appreciate is just how the story branches and like every playthrough is sort of your playthrough. I played through it and I said, I know there are other things that I could see explore in this, but like that was my playthrough and that will forever be my playthrough. And I think I'm good with that. I think. Uh, I added later in our nominations uh, character performances from Nicole Goodnight as the princess and Jonathan Sims as the narrator. I think Jonathan Sims especially um, does some wild stuff in his actual like yeah. performance. Um, I don't think it's one of my 
like favorite indies of the year, but I think like it a hundred percent deserves to be here. You should play it. Um, and I weirdly like it was the thing at PAX East. I think everyone was talking yeah. about yeah. it, mm-hmm. but I feel like it sort of came out and like not enough people were talking about it still. Um, so Slay yeah. the Princess is super dope. But for me, like if I had to pick my two, it's probably Dredge One, Cocoon Two. Fair, fair. So I, I'm getting the through line of Cocoon. Of Cocoon. Cocoon's but dope. also, Claire and I had Venba up there as well. Also, I want to give a quick shout out to Sea of Stars. I know we're trying to be time conscious, but I don't usually dabble with JRPGs. It's not my preferred genre. But I think this game is absolutely delightful, even for someone that didn't grow up playing games like Chrono Trigger and the like. I think the art style is beautiful. The music is phenomenal. I think the narrative is really compelling. And it's just, it's such a good vibe of a game. And I think they do interesting things with the combat where you can block turn-based attacks and parry. And I think that's pretty dope. Um, Definitely one of my favorite indies of the year for sure. But I think I would go Cocoon or Venba over it personally yeah i mean quickly i might not talk about sea of stars for the rest of this episode so <laughs> sure. uh I, I that's why i was like i think you. i need to talk about it now too yeah yeah i agree with everything you said um uh i think especially once you complete the game i think you start to feel a lot of things you get, start to appreciate like the journey a lot of the characters went on which is awesome uh my only knock against it was i felt like it, it was a tad too long and the combat mechanic didn't wasn't really selling me halfway through the game. Like that's it was fair. fun at first, but then it started to wear off after I was doing the same thing over and over again. So that's my only knock against it. But I really did love all the characters and and like the lore and all that stuff. For sure. I also don't want to undersell Dredge in this category because I it's very Dredge's high good. up my list as well. Dredge is um, good. I'm feeling consensus overall winner Cocoon. Yep. Yeah. O- overall to be it. cocoon. Okay. Do now we, we just gotta decide runner up. Say our runner up and see if we have overlap. I think say we have our... overlap. I would say Venba, personally, would be my next runner up. I would say Venba or Slay the Princess because I played the demo like forty times. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. I think it was closer to like ten, but still, it was. Damn. A lot. It was a fair bit. I played a lot. I played basically every option I think you could get. So, I think Dredge Venba for me. Okay. Joseph? That would probably be like either Chance or Sea of Stars. Okay. But, I mean, I, I liked... I didn't play Venba. I liked Dredge a lot as well. So, Dredge is up there as well. So, okay. I'm not too picky. I think numerically, like, Venba would win based on the number yeah, of players Venba. I think so. we'll do Venba runner-up. Dredge runner up, it sounds like. Two people said dredge. Do it. Do, do it. it. Doing it. Okay. Sorry, <laughs> I, I need I should be more decisive. Cover. I know I'm fixing it. We can okay. just we can <laughs> Okay. I can silently do things on the dock and the audio <laughs> listeners can be none the wiser. The video listeners get a little treat of like, oh, he messed up the format. <laughs> um, let's jump to best music. This one's another pretty stacked category our nominees are alan wake 2 dead cells return to castlevania hi-fi rush benba goodbye volcano high chia sea of stars 
Space for the Unbound, Final Fantasy 16, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Super Mario RPG Remake, Planet of Lana, and Baldur's Gate 3. Just shout out to all these nominees. Like, you're all winners in my book, because these are all very, very good. Yes. Yep. Um, Since we have a lot of nominees, do we want to... Let's talk about maybe the couple that we haven't touched on at all during this episode, and then we can kind of lock in some, like, front runners for ourselves. Sure. Okay. I'll quickly talk about Dead Cells. I think I'm the only one here that's played the Castlevania DLC. Mm -hmm. Um, Dead Cells is one of my favorite games of all time. So when this DLC was announced, I was very excited. I think it's incredibly well done. The aesthetic, the atmosphere, the combat, the attention to detail for pulling things from Castlevania lore into Dead Cells, I think works very well. But I think the best part about the game is the music. It just slaps. It's really fun. It's really high energy, high octane. Um, And every time I got to that area in a given run, I was always really excited to hear the music, to have the combat scenarios. And I think it's really well done. I don't think it hangs with some of these larger titles, but it's very cool. Um, Claire, do you want to chat about some of the ones you threw on? Um, The only one I actually put on here was Planet of Lana. Um, and as soon as I played this game, I was like, mm, this is going to be my best music for the year. Not even necessarily because it has like the most incredible score, um, which I, I do love the score, um, but because of how integral music is to the narrative and the gameplay. So um, without spoiling too much, uh, you as you are going through the world and uh as I said before, trying to get to your sister, defeat the robots, whatever. Um, it becomes clear that music is an important part of the way the world works, and you actually use um, musical tones to control aspects of the world um, and solve puzzles. And that that like main theme, and it's very um, piano heavy music uh, but that main theme at the very beginning ends up coming back in really interesting ways with the narrative um and there's also this really cool musical moment um where you are sailing across the sea and this like song like bespoke song for the game plays and that's a really cool moment too so music really important and really great in planet of lana so i will shout that out but i also um of the games on this list really great musical moments also in final fantasy 16 and in venba and in hi-fi rush for sure so let me give you some quick hits here um space for the unbound does like sort of a lo-fi chill beats version of the soundtrack that i think is is really great is almost my favorite part of that game um the super mario rpg remake i've not played but my partner and twin brother are playing through it and yoko shimamura who did the music like recreated the soundtrack and it just like it bangs just as hard as it did on the super nintendo it's like uh you know it, it harkens back to the super nintendo-esque like square soundtracks like your chrono triggers but like with nice. a mario twist of lime to it um and then final fantasy 16 is just like um just like orchestral and big especially during those icon battles and during some of the big ones there's like choruses that come in and it's just like it's so dope but it's like it's the the most classic version of like an rpg soundtrack just done to 11 heck yeah it 
it's really good yeah. that I think the music is my favorite part of that game. So it definitely deserves the shout out here. Joseph, how are you feeling? Uh, Yeah, my pick is Final Fantasy 16. I think Interesting. just like okay. you said, uh, that was my favorite part of the game. Like I am a big sucker for like the big uh, orchestral uh, symphonies and Final Fantasy 16 just absolutely kills, especially with that, like that battle theme. Yeah. Uh, shout out to, uh, Baldur's Gate 3 as well, another orchestral soundtrack. Um, the main song is Down by the River, and a lot of the songs in the game kind of <clears throat> remix that into other. I don't even, I don't know the musical technical terms. Maybe if Claire played the game, she could do a better job explaining it to me. But the basically, motif, they, they, maybe. Yeah, they have the motif in there, exactly. There's that Down by the River motif, and I, I just love it. And the moments where it comes in is, are super epic as well. And the last one I want to shout out, uh, Tears of the Kingdom, like that song that plays in that trailer that launched right before the game came out is one of my favorite songs of the year for games. Uh, but sadly, you don't really hear the, that song in the game until maybe like the very end of the game. Uh, so a lot of the music that I love from Tears of the Kingdom is awkwardly absent from the game itself in a lot of points and i can't find a soundtrack online an official soundtrack because nintendo keeps those things close to chest so i'm kind of bummed about that but fair that music is sick it's very good um can i hop on my soapbox real quick and talk about alan wake 2 yeah dude yeah alan wake 2 is my pick for this category um it's my favorite music of the year I think for folks that haven't played it, the way they make music so integral to the narrative of the game between chapters of the game, they play original songs that the team wrote based off of poetry that Sam Lake wrote that directly ties into the story. And these range genres, like there's somber ballads, there's like hip hop tracks, there's like hard rock songs played by, um poets of the fall like it's it's wild it's the variety is insane the quality bar is insane but they come those in interlude songs between chapters i think are so, so representative of the game because you have these amazing story moments and these things that you're like contemplating and you're thinking about what happens and you're theorizing what's happening in the story and the song is like actively on that journey with you as the player and it's so interesting and it feeds into the multimedia experience of alan wake 2 in such a big way that like i think there are very few games on this list maybe hi-fi rush i would throw out there that are like as integral to the core experience whereas like i will definitely agree that like final fantasy 16 phenomenal orchestral score but baldur's gate i haven't played albeit Tears of the Kingdom, similar thing of like amazing music on itself, but the way Alan Wake integrates into the game, I just think is unlike anything I've ever played. So I would make a strong case for that one to be in the in the conversation for sure. Hmm. Um, I will also quickly shout out um, Goodbye Volcano High. Really wonderful. The game is based around your character forming a band in high school it strikes that vibe perfectly it's really great music i listen to it outside of the game which i think is speaks to the quality um very cool more passionate about alan wake personally did we mention hi-fi rush i don't think so uh 
not only do they have great original music, but also I think the only game on this list that does a great job at using licensed music. Um, you know, there's Fair. I think there's two Nine Inch Nails songs on this soundtrack, and they're just used in a great way. So shout out to it the- opens with the Black Keys, which I was like, oh shit, yeah. I think this is my. This is a game I will enjoy. And I it sometimes definitely was. miss like the era of the sports title that would have like bangers that you would remember and associate with that game. Like, um, you know, uh, I hear you calling uh, from Gob on the NHL games uh, or like soundtracks from Tony Hawk or Need for Speed. Like we just aren't sure. in that era anymore. And I think that it's licensed be- era. Yeah, yeah, it's because like fair. all the music ever in the world is at our fingertips. And like, I think Spotify and Apple Music and Tidal do a great job at like surfacing tracks for us but the discovery you get from tracks uh in video games i think is a bygone era uh but shout out to hi-fi rush for their use of licensed music okay um didn't talk about it chia is also very good yeah um it, it i think it's my favorite part of that game it just sets the tone so wonderfully um music is a gameplay mechanic you can play your ukulele and then it i think it's the only game where you play you your character actively plays music in the game and it alters the world around you because yep. you can literally change the time of day by striking a chord on the ukulele which is pretty dope um venba is also amazing like ugh, these are all really good mm-hmm. i think why don't we go around the horn and each give our number one and our runner-up choice and see where we're aligning currently i'll kick things off i think mine would be alan wake with a runner-up to chia for me Claire, how about you? Uh, Planet of Lana and Venba, I could be persuaded for Final Fantasy 16. Okay. Jacob? Uh, Final Fantasy 16 and Chia, actually. Okay. Joseph? Final Fantasy 16 and Baldur's Gate. Hell yeah. Okay. Okay. So So it sounds like Final Fantasy 16. I think Final Fantasy has to take it. Based on, because you said you could be persuaded, and then we have two votes for yeah. for number one. Okay, locking in Final Fantasy sixteen. And maybe we. It's each very just good. I respect it. Four runners up. My I think Luke and I's be... runner up is the same. Same. Our yeah, because our Chia. our runner up is Chia, so that feels solid. No, I'm saying, but you could make Alan Wake your runner up. Ooh. We could each just have one on the list. Yeah, why not? I Party love it. on. So we got Alan Wake. We got Chia. We got Baldur's Gate. And Venba for you, Claire? Uh, Planet of Lana. Planet of Lana would be... Oh, because that was your number one. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so for best music, our overall winner is Final Fantasy XVI with runners-up going to Chia, Alan Wake 2, and Planet of Lana. And and didn't we say Baldur's Gate 3? And Baldur's Joseph? Gate, which I didn't highlight yet, but I am doing it right now. Yeah, last year we Love had it. four picks for this, so like I think it's very um telling that we picked five here. I think that's fair. There's and like of all of these games category. are really good. Like mm-hmm. if you want to make a playlist of all of these, like that's a great that's a all right. Well, thanks so much everyone for listening to this week's episode this is part one we are coming back to finish out the categories on our next episode thank you joseph jacob claire for joining on this journey um we are still friends and we haven't offended each other so we're doing a great job so far jacob question should we just go through each of the categories really quickly again for the for the audio listener let's do it love that idea so today we kicked things off with best gameplay loop 
our overall winner going to the fishing and restaurant management and Dave the Diver, with runners-up Reclaiming the Wasteland and Terranil and Discovering the Language and Chance of Sonar. Next up, we had Most Pleasant Surprise, going to Hi-Fi Rush with runners-up Dave the Diver and Robocop Rogue City. We then had Most Underrated Game, going to Bakura with runners-up World of Horror and Chance of Sonar. Best Little Buddy, Best Creature Companion, going to Mui from Planet of Lana with runners-up Torgal and Scratch. Dredge took Best Fishing by a Landslide. (laughs) Business Boys 2023 Bit of Bad Business went to Gaming Layoffs with the runner-up being Unity as a whole. Best Multiplayer was Bakura with runner-up Fortnite. Best Indie went to Cocoon with runners-up Dredge and Venba. And we closed things out with Best Music going to Final Fantasy 16 with runners-up Alan Wake 2, Chia, Planet of Lana, and Baldur's Gate 3. On the next episode, you can look forward to Best Visuals Technical, Best Visuals Art Direction, Best Character Performance, Best Narrative, and Best Moment. And then we will crown our overall Game of the Year with our secret weighted list that no one except for me knows. And it's very exciting and fun. And you're going to want to tune in to find out because it gets spicy. <laughs> Luke, do you want to like give a tease of a fact that you told me about like the list itself? I- I can give some fun facts. So I will say on our top 10 lists, there isn't one single game that all four of us have on our top 10 lists. Ooh, There is a three-way tie for number 10 on our weighted top 10 list. There is a two-way tie for our number three on our top 10 list. And there were two games that only were selected by one person for their top 10 list that made our weighted list because they were so high on the two people's respective personal lists. Damn. So the variety and the, the scope of our shared list is really, really cool. We're doing it a little differently with the weighted list this year. Instead of kind of arguing back and forth what the 10 is, we're doing it a little more scientifically to see how everything nets out. And it's a really, really cool list. It's a really fun amalgamation of all of our tastes and interests. And I'll unveil that at the end of the next episode. Closing out our game of the year. We're probably the last game of the year podcast you're listening to. But it's a it's a good year for video games, a bad year for game devs that we had to celebrate appropriately. So we needed multiple hours to do it. But thanks for listening through it with us. For now, we are setting our status to away. Until next time, I'm going to ask you to do three things for us. If you're enjoying the show, give us a follow at Crossplay Convos on Twitter. Send this podcast to a friend because that's how people hear about podcasts. And give us a review on a podcast platform of choice because it really, really helps. And with that. Happy New Year, everyone, and we'll see you next time.